You're listening to a podcast from Turners Hill Free Church. For more information and resources, visit turnershillfreechurch.org.uk. So this um, passage we're looking at today, I think, is a real uh, key, uh, one of the key um, passages for Mark's understanding of, of the gospel and um, for Jesus' death and uh, and the uh, Christian community that that should um, uh, create. So what I'd like to do is um, a number of things. I'd like to kind of put a bit of context around the verse um, first, and then look at um, three areas. So the, look at the response, and uh, uh, also the request and the response of Jesus, the request of uh, James and John, uh, and then the reaction of the disciples uh, and the response of Jesus, and and then. Uh, Jesus' radical statement in, in verse 45, uh, and, and our response to that. So lots of things beginning with R. Okay. If I get a conclusion, I could get another one in and do a roundup or something like that. So, um, so logical place to start the American Revolution, I think. Um, bear with me. Uh, I just want to, um, I think, um, just a little story I want to tell you from, from the American Revolution which uh, gives a little illustration of, um, of Jesus' um, idea of servanthood and, and servant leadership. So the story goes, as a, a, um, a civ- civilian chap, uh, he rides up to a bunch of sh- soldiers who are uh, frantically trying to repair a breach in a defensive wall. And they're all exhausted and it's not going well. And the commanding officer is shouting at them, but not trying to help at all. So this, this guy says to the commanding officer, well, why aren't you helping them? He says, sir, I'm a colonel. How dare you? So the guy, okay, fine, uh, gets off his horse and, and starts to help the, the, the soldiers build the defensive wall. Uh, and they get that done, and it's all finished. And um, he goes up to the, the colonel and says, uh, if you need help again and you don't have enough soldiers, uh, find your commanding officer and, and get him to, to ask me, and I'll come and help you. I'll come back again and help you. And, um, and that's, of course, not the end of the story. But, so I'm not going to tell you all of the story now. I'm going to uh, I'll leave the rest for later, just so you've got something to look forward to. Okay. So try and remember that. It's going to test your memory as well. Um, right, okay, so let's have a look at the, the context around this, um, about this verse. So uh, we're, Jesus and his disciples are traveling uh, to uh, Jerusalem. At the start of this journey... Um, Jesus heals the blind man uh, and that's kind of a contrast to the disciples through this story not seeing anything at all the, the recite is just all for the blind man but um, uh, yeah, the, the, the disciples are constantly not seeing we see, we see through here this story uh, Jesus he three times predicts his death as they're, as they're going towards Jerusalem uh, the first uh, prediction is um, well Peter after this uh, he rebukes him uh, to be rebuked back again by Jesus himself. And um, Jesus says, uh, who, who wants to follow me must deny himself and take up his cross. So that's the first um, prediction. After the second prediction uh, of, uh, of Jesus' death, uh, we get the, the disciples arguing amongst themselves. Who's the best? Uh, so they're squabbling around. Uh, and Jesus again says, um, he teaches them, he says he wants to be... Who, like to be first must be last so there's, there's more teaching there then we get um, the, uh, uh, the 
the story of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. Um, um, we had that story recently, not, not long ago, I think perhaps last week. Um, uh, and he, Jesus again teaches uh, uh, after that and says, um, who, who would be first or would be last? And uh, who's last will be first, essentially. Um, and then, now we have, uh, after that, Jesus is probably fuller, uh, probably the most full um, prediction of his, his death, where he says, the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, so condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. Um, and then we get to this, uh, our, our passage for today, where James and John come, come and ask him this kind of staggering um, request after he's he's just given this full description of him, um, of himself and his impending death, and it's like if, if you're reading this, it's uh, it's Jesus really trying to tell them something. He's saying again and again and again, it, you know, it, it, this is what's going to happen, and then he's not getting it. Um, it reminded me of um, a little illustration I was with my um, my brother and his family uh, having lunch a couple of weeks ago. And um, my youngest nephew really wanted to say something to his brother and tell him something. And he, uh, he, said, uh, he said, Jamie, 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 Jamie. It started ringing in my head like a bell. Jamie. I wanted to say to him, Jamie, listen to your brother. He wants to tell you something. Jamie, Jamie. And I get the sense here that you know, Jesus is not like that. He's, he's, he's a bit of disciples. He wants to say to them, listen to Jesus. He's trying to tell you something here. And all you can do is squabble amongst yourselves and uh, and just uh, think about yourselves first. So that this is kind of, I think, the, um, the the feeling we 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 get out of this. But constantly you see that the, the disciples just aren't seeing; they're not getting it at all. Um, and that's interesting. If we look at verse um, uh, forty-six after this, we've got the blind or two blind men, then in Matthew, but Bartimaeus, um, who, who meets Jesus after this story, um, and, and asks, "What well, did he ask for? He asked for his sight." Uh, so we get two two stories of blind men really bookending this this passage, which I think again contrasts between them seeing nothing at all. How how better would it be for James and John to ask for our sight to see it than to to be in glory? Um, uh, I think also Bartimaeus saw more than just you know, us around or people around him. He saw he followed Jesus instantly, didn't he? After that, so I think that that's really what they should have asked for um, instead. Um, and also, if you look um, further uh, towards uh, the cross, and when Jesus was, was actually, when he was crowned, who was sitting at his left and his right? Two thieves. Um, I wonder what James and John thought about that when they, when they saw that life-changing moment where everything changed and Jesus was, was crowned um, king, uh, and there were two thieves instead of, uh, instead of James and John who were squabbling with the other disciples. So I hope that's a bit of context for you. I'm trying to put into um, uh, a bit of flesh around it. I want to look at now the um, the request itself. So we, we've seen that these uh, we've got these three um, air, three predictions of the death. After each one of these, we have something kind of stupid happening. Really, um, the, the, the repeat, repeated uh, request I think is also goes to show it's. Um, uh, inevitability and that it's reliable. Um, Jesus, we can say, you know, rely on what Jesus is saying is going to happen. But also, we're we're looking out now for something very contrasting to that um, uh, to that um, declaration of Jesus, and we get it. Uh, Jesus, uh, James and John come up and say, "We want 
for you to do whatever we ask, essentially, you know, whatever we want, give it to us. Jesus, uh, of course, says, what, what do you want? What do you want to give you? Which is kind of a good lesson to us. He doesn't instantly say, yes, you can have whatever you want. He, he's, he's getting them to actually go through this stupid request and, 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 and think about it themselves. And, and, and they're going to have to tell them what, what they want. He's not just going to um, give them anything straight away. So it's, it's kind of teaching them to, already to, to, to think about what they're doing. So they apply, we want to be on your left uh, and, and on your right-hand side. So these are power, positions of power and glory. They want, their, uh, they want to be in the, in the best seats, essentially. Um, interestingly, this um, um, word, um, uh, I'm going to try a Greek word. Sorry, no. um, it happens four times in this, in this verse. It's thelave, I think. My um, pronunciation might not be that great, it's, uh, but it's want, want or wish. So we have it two times um, uh, at the beginning, we, we want you to do something, and Jesus says, what do you want? And then later on in verses 43 and 44, Jesus says, whoever wants to be first, um, and whoever wants to uh, uh, become great among you. So uh, these want is used a lot. And also in um, uh, the, the account of Bartimaeus, he also asks him, what do you want? Um, so it doesn't actually seem to be anything wrong about wanting things, about coming to Jesus and saying, I want something, I want, you know, I want um, uh, to be with you, etc., etc. But I think um, what they wanted was, what they actually wanted was what was wrong. Um, and, and where their focus was, it was, was the wrong thing to want. Um, and, and Jesus will teach them about that as, um, as we look through this, as we go, we go further on. But what was behind this um, this response from James and John? I think they um, they wanted power. They wanted to be in a uh, uh, well preeminent position. They wanted to be right in there with Jesus, leading things. Uh, they 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 were um, worldly thinking. I think they were they they wanted kind of stuff. They wanted to, all the stuff that goes with the glory and, and the power of the new the new kingdom. They they really weren't. Um, Looking at it in the, in the right way, they weren't focused at where they should be on Jesus. They were looking; they were focused at themselves. So this is all, it's a very worldly attitude, I think, that we see from them. Um, they wanted to. You notice as well later on um, when it says when the other disciples heard about it. So obviously, there's a little bit of scheming, I think, going on as well. And we can we can see here how how that kind of wanting stuff for ourselves uh, brings in this automatically this kind of behaviour in us. We are. Oh, stuff and not letting anyone else know. So that, I think, was, um, was, was happening as well, what, what, was, what was behind it. Um, and, and how could they ask, you think? You know, how, how on earth were they so bold to ask that kind of question? We want to anything, we want you, we want you to give it to us. I think um, there was a, well, maybe a few things, uh, maybe uh, not all of them here on our list, but there was familiarity. Uh, they just they were been with Jesus for almost three years. They were with him day in day out, um, so they knew him very well, obviously. And that kind of familiarity makes you miss sometimes the uh, the, the beauty of the people you're with. I think um, there is uh, an account that he, they, James and John could have been the first cousin of Jesus. Salome may have been Mary's sister. Uh, not totally sure, but so there could be a family connection as well and you think about um, when Jesus was in his hometown how people treated him there Jesus well isn't he the carpenter 
we know him. We think we know him. We, we know what it all is about. So uh, I think that's part of it. They were, they were familiar and they, they thought, yeah, Jesus will do this for us. And, but they, they didn't actually, um, their idea of who he was, because of their blindness, they didn't see who he really was. Um, I think misunderstanding also. There was an element of misunderstanding. I, mean, I think why Jesus doesn't re- rebuke them in this verse is because they, um, if you look at Matthew verse um, chapter 19, verse 28, they've been promised things um, previously. They've been promised power and position uh, by Jesus. So I think they were just really saying, we want this stuff now. This is, this is great. This is coming to us. We want this stuff. So they, again, they didn't understand what Jesus was doing and what, uh, what, it, what it meant really and what his kingdom um, meant. Again, they had it the flip side around. They're looking at the worldly view of what his his um, his, his uh, uh, kingdom would bring to them. And of course, selfishness, I think, is, is one of the other things, isn't it? Um, you can see this worldly view. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing it for themselves. They're not letting anyone, anyone else know. Jostling for position. It's quite a um, self-centered, un- unsympathetic response or, or request that they're, they're, they're doing here. They're uh, not thinking about um, these three statements. It's just, what can I get out of it? So, so uh, um, what can I grab before everyone else grabs these, the, the positions of glory? Uh, so that's that's what we have happening, I think, in in, in this request. That's uh, where they're coming from, and, and that's what they're missing. That's uh, blinded to Jesus's glory, essentially. They're just thinking of themselves and focused on on the world. So Jesus's response, um, essentially, he he says to them, "You, you don't really know what you're asking for." Um, he, he runs it through. He says. Um, you don't know what you're asking for. Can you can you um, drink the cup that I drink and, and um, be baptized with my baptism? And they say we can. That's uh, an, you know that's an amazing response. I think again from them. You know, how often do we um, overrate our abilities to, to do things when we're you know, when we're wanting stuff? And I think that's what we're saying here. We we, we can do this. So again, he, he doesn't rebuke them. He, he gently teaches them. He says um, uh, you, you will. You, you will end up um, uh, drinking the cup that I drink and, and, the, and the baptism that I am baptized with. He's talking about here, obviously, um, like a cup of torment, the things that he's going to do, go through. It's a life ex- kind of a life experience that he will experience. He'll be immersed in this and the baptism, uh, a baptism of, of, of torment. So, you know, he's going to the cross uh, and, and um, um, being given up to the Gentiles. He's, he's talking about, he's pointing towards this and his... his um, prediction of his death so of course they're not um understanding that again but so uh, they that's why they say we can do that um i think uh he tells them that uh they will experience this later on but again they they, they um they don't understand that his death is um essential for really what he's doing and, and the, the kingdom um thinking that he's bringing in and what his kingdom means uh, for for the world essentially, uh, of course he, these uh, the men they will all drink that cup as he says later on in their lives they'll um, I think they'll all um, be martyred I think John perhaps uh, maybe not he might be um, exiled um, obviously uh, and, and suffer many things so they they will um, eventually get this I think in the end but they've got to go through. Um, uh, a number of things before they do that, which we'll look at, look at in, a, in a bit. 
Uh, Jesus also tells them, obviously, that it's not um, uh, possession or, or uh, things of the kingdom won't be given through um, selfish um, uh, desires or ambition. It's going to be um, given to whom it's prepared for um, and to and who the Lord has put aside for it. So they can't just um, influence who Jesus gives these things to. So there's a response and um, uh, from Jesus uh, of that request. So I just want to try and get, as we go along, a few things which God might be saying to us out of these, these passages. Uh, and in this particular instance, I think um, he's talking about over-familiarity for us. How um, familiar are we with God and with Jesus? Um, we know our Bibles. Maybe you read your Bible every day. But how often do you really take the time to look at it anew um, and, and let Jesus teach you through the passages? Maybe you know really well. We, we see here Jesus is teaching. He takes opportunities to teach. After each time uh, that they get things wrong, after his prediction of his death, he, he teaches them. Uh, Jesus would um, teach us, uh, and he would, um, uh, he would uh, have us to keep developing in our relationship with him, I think. And um, uh, so don't say, uh, you know, you know all the stories, you know, all the Bible stories, you know, um, you know what they mean. But do you really go back to them? Uh, maybe um, spend more time in your Bible. Um, go back to those passages you think you really know and, um, and read them again. Also, um, I think... It's talking about over-familiarity, over-familiarity with ourselves. Um, we all know ourselves, don't we? When we think we know our, our, our strengths and our weaknesses, and um, we settle into that, our, our view of ourselves. But I think Jesus would say to us today that um, don't just settle in that. He, he wants us to know that we're all unique. We're all fearfully and wonderfully made. Each one of you is unique and made to glorify God in your own um, particular way that no one else can do. And God would have you released into that and free to do that, I think. He, he wants you to see the, um, the beauty of yourselves. I mean, I think you know, there's things I know about myself that I'd, I'd be ashamed to tell you. But God's dealt with that. He's set me free from that. And he would set you free from things that you're struggling with um, to see your potential in Christ and uh, your relationship with him. So he's saying, I think very definitely saying that to us. Um, and also if um, if you don't really know Jesus as well, he's saying get to know me. Don't be over familiar with what you know from the world. You know, maybe you've heard that Jesus is a good teacher and a, a really, very good moral um, example to follow. Well, um, don't just stop there. He's saying ask somebody about Jesus who knows him and um, get to know him better. And maybe, maybe pick up a Bible and start to read it and see who this Jesus is. So, so don't just uh, uh, settle for, for what you think, you know. Don't be blind to Jesus. Um, there's also, I think, the misunderstanding is really uh, of, the, of the disciples. And uh, sometimes we have a misunderstanding of what discipleship means. But I think in, in this passage, there's a real hope here um, for us. And that, that Jesus... Um, he takes this opportunity to, to teach these, these chaps. He says, he doesn't say, oh, I've been with you for three years. I've told you time and time again, I'm going to die. Don't you get it? 
You know, I just, I've had enough with you. I'm going to get some more people to follow me. He doesn't say that, does he? He, 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 um, he sticks with them and he, and he takes an um, opportunity to teach them and tell them what they need to know. And, um, and through that, they, uh, they do become, um, well, cowards become martyrs when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, don't they? Um, the people who are hiding in the, in, the, in, in the upstairs room go and, and preach to thousands of people. And spread his word. So, um, yeah, he re- I think that's a real hope for us that that Holy Spirit is working in us as well, and it's come to us, and we can use that, um, and 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 that teaches uh, Jesus teaches through our, our misunderstandings, and um, if we um, marry that up with getting to know Him properly um, and reading our Bibles, and He will teach us, and He will um, show us how glorifying we can be to God. There's also selfishness as well. I think uh, Jesus is, is saying how often do we miss what he's got for us when we're thinking about ourselves and uh, what's in it for us. And um, instead of asking what's in it for us, we should ask what have you got for us in this opportunity, Lord? What, um, what is it you're showing us uh, or, or, or what do you want me to do? Always um, the worldly view is exhausting, isn't it? Uh, trying to grab everything, you know, what, what's in it for me? What, oh, this person's got this, I haven't got that. I haven't been invited to this party, or maybe I should go there because all the good people are there. It's, it's exhausting, isn't it? It's, um, I, was, I was reading in, um, there's a Metro paper the other day had, um, uh, uh, life, now is, uh, life now begins at 44, not 40, because I think because of austerity, it's taking a bit longer, unfortunately. And so, there you go. Um, but they're, they're talking, the things that people thought they, you know, they, they, they'd reached life, if you like, they were listing them in the papers, things like um, a good house, a good job, uh, good pay, going on good holidays, having a good car, um, people thinking good things about you, um, all worldly things um, and all exhausting to get. Um, and just as you look at them, when you have them, they're just trinkets, aren't they? They all bust away. Rather than, Jesus is saying, rather than looking at these and striving for these things, um, we need to um, strive for the kingdom things and the, and the godly things and, and store up our treasures in heaven. And so let that selfishness um, disappear. His whole life here and this whole um, passage is talking about um, turning our, our thoughts towards uh, uh, others and servanthood instead of, of looking at ourselves and what we can get. So the, um, that's the, uh, the, re- the request and the response of Jesus. I want to look now at um, the reaction of uh, those disciples, uh, the other ten, and, um, and, and then Jesus' response to them. So what happens when they hear about James and John sneaking behind their backs? Well, they're indignant, aren't they? Uh, it's anger, isn't it? it, it, it they're, they're angry that he's gone behind them. I mean, they don't, they're not covered in glory in this passage either, are they, really? They're not saying, oh, that's good, well done for them, they can have the best position. They're going, oh, what? Um, and so, so there's all this selfishness and, 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 and um, wanting worldly thinking in, their, in their, their actions as well. But um, there's a reflection there for them, isn't there? They're seeing something. What, what are they actually seeing themselves? Um, there's a little example I, I had of this um, the other day where Kate and I bought a new mirror for the fireplace and we're deciding where to put it, and I put the, the mirror just on the floor, get resting while we're wondering where the holes will go, 
Um, it's 0.01 millimeter out. That'll never do. To move it. Uh, so we're doing this, and then behind us there's this tremendous woof. We looked behind us, and uh, the dog Huxley, who never barks, was laying down in front of the mirror to get a good look at this imposter dog that had come into the house. I, I imagined him saying, if, um, if you know the film up, it was, it was kind of saying, talking like, there is a dog in this house. I do not like this dog. This dog will eat my food and have cuddles on the sofa like you will have. I do not like this dog. I will bark at this dog till he goes away. That's exactly what he's doing. And, and what was he doing? Well, he was looking at himself, wasn't he? We, don't we see many times we look at actions of others and we go, ah, oh, what are they doing? I hate them. But we, we're looking at ourselves, aren't we? That's what the, the, the disciples were looking at, the selfishness. And all the kind of stuff that's in their heart, they're seeing it here, and they're going, that's, that's terrible, I'm indignant. How often are we indignant? Um, so yes, they, um, it shows how striving, position, and power can just ruin relationships, I think. Uh, and how did we, Jesus respond to that? Well, um, again, he, he taught them, and this is he, he, kind of the key here. He goes into uh, about the Gentile rulers and how they lord it over people. Uh, and um, how that's not to be true for the disciples and, and for us, and we need to be um, a, a servant and a, a slave to everyone. Um, he, he doesn't allow their ang- anger to simmer. He doesn't allow this um, pervasive anger to, to just yeah, flow through them and, and just break them apart. Um, he, he, again, it's, it's, a, it's a counter-cultural view, isn't it? He's saying no. You're not to be grabbing. You're not to um, try and get the best for yourselves. I mean, if you want a, an example about this world, just look at kind of the last election or what's going on in the elections in America. The, the things that they do to try and grab power, they, they, it's not always about politics, is it? It's about the other person, how terrible they are and what they've done and what they're going to do. Um, it's, um, it's just a counter, counter-cultural way that Jesus thinks. We, we shouldn't do that. We should look at ourselves and our hearts. And, and what's in our hearts. He also takes the opportunity to, um, uh, when he's teaching, to restate um, what he says in in uh, in verse uh, in, in chapter nine, verse thirty-three to thirty-seven, um, about who, when the rich one, young rulers, uh, or when they've actually uh, talked about who's the greatest, and he, he goes back to um, uh, an example of um, using a child before them. I think he uses a child as um, a good example that they are at the bottom of the social ladder, if you like. They, they won't give anything to an adult. They, they, they were considered as almost property sometimes. They wouldn't advance your social standing in the society. Um, they, they couldn't do anything for you. They, although I think he uses them because they're a good example of ministry because... Um, if you're a parent, you know when you have a child, you, you give and you give and you give, don't you? You, you serve them. You're almost a life support system for them. And, and if you don't, they'll let you know in all sorts of kind of annoying ways or, or loud ways. And um, you give to them and you know you won't get anything back because you want to give to them freely. And uh, it's, it's showing that that's the way you should, we should do it. Or how often do we, do we give to people when we want something back from them? But for, with this example of children, you're never going to get that kind of stuff you want back from them and you, and you give willingly and freely. freely. Um, so he says to the disciples, we won't become what the, what the Lord desires and expects from us as, uh, until we humble ourselves and 
and, and um, make ourselves servants to others. Servanthood obviously is uh, is um, a condition where you're in service to others and uh, you're under others. But as obviously as a Christian, firstly it's um, in submission to Jesus or Christ, uh, and then submission to to ourselves. I think what he wants us to get across in this in this passage. So after that response, what what can we take from that um, from our, for ourselves? I think. Um, Show us that we need to rest in our, our, our comfort and knowing who we are, uh, that we get from ourselves in Christ, and um, and through that, um, let ourselves outflow to others and, and start giving to others and start serving others. Um, realize that people are going to offend us. We're going to see things we don't like in other people. Um, even in the church, we'll, we'll 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 see things that we don't like. But we need to check our hearts and check our relationships. I think God's saying. We, um, how, how fragile our relationships going to be if we get offended by what we're seeing other people do. Um, we need to, our relationships in the church need to be marked by love, don't they? Um, I think John says that in, um, in chapter 13, verse 35. Uh, we need to look at the problem. It's not our problem. It is our problem. It's not someone else's problem when we let ourselves um, feel embittered. So we need to think to ourselves, am I hindering God's work? Am, am I, is there someone that, who I'm angry at because I perceive they've done something to me or I've seen something I don't like? Um, I need to, or we need to repent of that and, and um, get right with that person. We need to, we need to speak to that person. Or, or do we need forgiveness from somebody? Have we done something? If you know you've done something, maybe it's been a mistake and you didn't mean to do it. But um, we need to put ourselves... Um, Underneath that person, if you like, as a servant to that person to to um, to heal those relationships. So we mustn't let that um, yeah this this reflection we see of ourselves really taint our our, our, our Christian lives or our life as a body because that will that will stop God's power from working. Like he's saying. Also, I think he's saying. I, I was, as I was reading around this, I came across something that said. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached one of his most uh, memorable preaches on, on this passage, and no pressure there, thanks. Um, he called it the um, drum, uh, drum sergeant um, or drum major instinct. It um, basically means that everyone wants, is thinking of me first, and we all want to lead the procession, essentially. Our, our, we want to be the first person there. If you think about, um, say, My Life is the Murray Life, starring Murray Hatton and some other people. Uh, well, a good way of thinking about it, if we took a picture of all of us now and we, we passed it around, probably the first person you'd look to see in the picture is yourself. So we're, we're always looking to ourselves um, and, and, and what, we can, what we can achieve and where we can go and what we can get. So it's all me, me, me first. I want to be, I want to be the best. I want to be out there. How often do we feel that in, in life? But he, Dr. King said that that's not necessarily a bad thing. As Jesus is saying, wanting things isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's what we want, where we're putting our hearts. The things we often want are, are, are very puny, aren't they? They're, they're a very small thing that we want. It's, um, it's a very small worldly view of what's great, what we can grab, what we can get. It, it's, um, it's, not, it's not the kingdom vision. And he wants us to look at... Um, 
being first in love, being first in serving others. That's where we should have our hearts. That's what we should want to do and be the best at instead of uh, wanting to lead the, the procession and, and the parade. Um, that's how we get um, recognized and respected um, if we lose our ambitions and we serve others and we bring God's glory and God's kingdom in that way. If we're looking to lead, we need to be a servant leader. When I say lead, not necessarily leaders, everyone has a leadership role. We know in your relationships you will have some aspect of, of leadership, whether it be with friends or, or children or, or whatnot. We need to um, willingly become servants in those in relationships. So it's, um, uh, and and um, think about what is it I can do. Maybe there's something in this church that we can do or in our community that we can do, that we can serve others and show God's love in that way. Uh, I think... Uh, in that way, we will be um, honouring um, Jesus correctly. Do you remember the uh, American Revolution? No, yeah. So, the end of the story: the guys come and help the um, the guys, the the soldiers, to, uh, build the defences, and he's uh, they finished, and he said, uh, "Call me again if you need me." And uh, off rides General George Washington, future President of the United States. I think that's a great picture, isn't it, of, of, of this servant, um, servanthood and servant leadership. You, you see the, the opposite of him in the colonel who, who wants uh, to boss his people around and he's not going to help them, he's not going to get mucky. Uh, and we have a future president coming and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to help you and be with you. I, I wonder who, who those soldiers remember long afterwards. Uh, not the colonel, anyway. So. Maybe a pe- better picture is this. In, in John 13, 1-17, uh, when um, during the supper, Jesus gets up and um, uh, puts a towel around him in the upper room and, and washes his disciples' feet. Um, that's a, a, a truer picture of the servant leadership, isn't it? And he he uh, washes the feet of Peter, uh, who's going to deny him, and Judas, who obviously is going to um, uh, sell him away to his enemies. Um, his actions for them are, are the actions of, um, of a servant, servant leader, uh, and it's contrary to how they've been thinking, their, their worldly thinkings. So now we come on to this um, radical statement that Jesus says in uh, verse 45 at the end here. Uh, if even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, so the, the word even here, uh, it just gives us uh, a picture of, of who he is. He's, uh, he uses the son of man as well, the identification with um, the book of Daniel and his um, identity as the Messiah. He's, he's saying if anyone is um, worthy to be worshipped, worthy to be just um, served, to come and to, to have everyone fall down at his feet, this was... This was Jesus. Um, but he came not to serve, but to give his life and, and a ransom for many. What a, what a contrast to how the uh, disciples were thinking and, uh, and their desires and what, and what they wanted to gain. It really shows them what they should, be, what they should have their hearts on. So, as Jeff said earlier, it's, it's about our salvation, isn't it? Jesus came, um, the one in the place of the many, to, to die for us. Um, and to um, to give us freedom, and also other freedom as well. I think if you look around the context of this verse, 
um, in this passage. Uh, Mark's been talking about um, enslavement, oppression, people oppressing other people, and the servant, um, servanthood and servant leadership. He's, um, he's talking about um, freedom from lots of things, I think, really. Freedom from servitude, um, uh, oppression. There's another Greek word I'm going to try, which kind of demonstrates this, I think. It's the word um, ransom, which he uses here, which in Greek is lytra, I think, lytra, um, which means can mean, obviously, a, a release, a, 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 um, a release for a slave. Also, it could mean a redemption or, or a redeeming as well. In the Old Testament, it was um, used a lot for a, a liberation, an act, a powerful act of God to liberate people, um, uh, as you see in, um, with the Israelites in Exodus. So he's talking about um, uh, freedom as well and freeing people. Um, and how does um, Jesus' death do that? Well, through dying on the cross and through his life as an um, exemplary servant, uh, it's, it's, it shows us, or well, somehow, that he'll free us. I'm not exactly sure how that he will free us, but it's also showing us an example of how we should live as well and how we should live as servants. Um, this, this death of Jesus, it, um, from the, the context, it, it's saying it's pointing towards releasing people from a, uh, oppression and kind of the political oppression of the time, maybe that people are undergoing, um, uh, and of the ways that people use to control other people. There's a freedom from that. Um, there's a freedom from denom- demonic power, I'd say, in this as well, that um, people are, how people are enslaved to demonic power in the world. Um, also, defeats death as well. It's freedom from death, uh, Jesus' death. Um, of course, sin and forgiveness as well is, um, is promised here. Uh, and Jesus comes and, and dies uh, in the place of um, the many. So our response to that, I think we need to take Jesus as our model and we need to look at this exemplary service that Jesus offers and, and Jesus shows and um, relish being able to serve as, as Jesus, Jesus served. And it's not always a, a, an easy thing to do, to be a servant, to put yourself last. But if you, you look at what Jesus did and he, he came and he said, look, I could, I could give you these things, I could give you what you wanted, all this kind of stuff, but uh, I'm not going to give you that. I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give you salvation. I'm going to give you my very life. Um, it's a paradox of, of how the world thinks. It's um, his servanthood um, and the way he lived is uh, shows that the way to the top for a Christian is, is through the bottom, is aiming to the bottom first and putting yourself as a servant below others. So we need to take that in our lives and, and say, are we actually really serving people in, in, our, in our church, in our, in our families, in our community? Is there something that we could do? There will be something that you can do all around you. Um, we need to change our attitudes and, and not look to ourselves, but look um, what we can do to others. Is there someone who needs a hug? Is there someone who needs you to give them something? Is there something you need to come beside someone to, to help them in whatever it is? What, what, what can you do? Uh, put yourself in, in a place of servant for that person. I think Jesus is also saying, is there something that is holding you captive? Is there something that you're struggling with, something that you can't seem to... To, to, to shake off um, 
Jesus will have you know that he's come to die for you and he's come to die for your salvation and for your freedom. Um, ask him for that. You know, speak to Jesus about that and, and um, let this example of, of his show you that um, there is freedom in, in his actions and in his life and in his death for you. He came to serve you, not to, he came to serve us, not for, um, not to be served himself. The Son of Man came that he could serve people. Um, if you, he'll, he'll show you, um, if you look at other passages in, in Mark, there's, there's lots of people who have been released. Um, there's a man who's been, who's released from demonic powers, a man who's released from captivity to, to leprosy. Um, captivity to sin and paralysis, uh, a, a woman who's been in captivity to a bleeding for 12 years, they're all freed by Jesus, aren't they? And he will uh, enact the same uh, freedom in our lives. Recognize that freedom that um, comes with Jesus' death on the cross. Um, and if you, so if you, if you haven't really, take, if, or if you don't know Jesus, um, then there is... Um, Take that freedom that he's offering you as well, um, the freedom from the world um, and the freedom of the um, slavery to the world. He will free you from that. He wants to show you. If you're not, not quite ready to do that, maybe think about your relationships and put yourself at the bottom. And I'm not saying being a doormat or anything, but think of others first and think about what you can do for them in an argument, maybe compromise or think about their side of the story and um, take that step first to see how that would I guarantee it will transform your lives. It will transform your relationship. Um, take that as a first step and see how Jesus works through through servanthood. I think um, just to finish, so we need to know that our, our preoccupation with our interests will um, hinder our, our our capacity to to worship God properly. It'll uh, stop the power of God. I think working. We need to. Um, let him teach us and take this example of his servanthood and rest in his his um, sacrifice to us. As um, as Paul said, we need to take this attitude, I think. And Paul said in uh, Philippians 2, verse 1 to 10, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's the comfort we get in Christ, and that's what will enable us to live as servants. Let's pray, shall we?